This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the AEC Engineering Technology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs. In this episode, we'll be diving into the world of digital inspection and non-destructive testing, also known as NDT, with Ahmed, co-founder of Structural Engineer at F'C Solutions, Inc., which specializes in advanced non-destructive testing and evaluation of concrete materials and structures. We'll be discussing the applications of visual inspection, the latest innovative NDT methods for evaluating concrete structures, and how NDT can be implemented in new construction projects. We'll also be exploring how NDT can be used as an integral part of structural condition assessment to identify and prevent potential structural failures. So whether you're new to the world of NDT or a seasoned professional, you won't want to miss this episode. With that, let's jump into today's episode. Thank you to EMI sponsor Collier's Engineering and Design. A full-service A&E firm with more than 2,200 employees in over 60 offices nationwide. As an industry leader, Collier's Engineering and Design has a responsibility to ensure the built environment is constructed with a commitment to the inclusivity, health, and welfare of our people, clients, and communities. Their expansion has fostered an enterprising culture that provides continued opportunities for employees to grow their careers while accelerating their personal and professional development within the company. For more information about how you can join their team, find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or visit colliersengineering.com. Med, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me in this show. Thank you for the time. But, you know, just as a kind of a quick introduction here to the audience, could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? My name is Hamid Lacey, and I'm a co-founder at uh, f Solutions. We are a technology company, and we are very much involved with uh, inspection and testing of concrete infrastructure. Ahmed, we're, we're in very closely related fields here, right? So I'm, I'm excited to start talking about really just the overarching topic of digital inspection and NDT. So let's kick it off. How has digital inspection basically changed the field of NDT or non-destructive testing, right? Because I imagine the point it's at now has probably progressed pretty significantly in the past few years. I came ac- across the uh, like... Uh notion of like digital inspection a few years ago uh, when like uh, drones started like coming in and uh, people were getting more excited about like documenting things with the help of technology and since then we have seen a rise in like uh, various technologies based on AI computer vision like uh, changing the landscape of inspection but personally in our practice like I would say early 2022 was around the time that we really tried to do some of the stuff that we used to do, like old-fashioned, like taking pen and paper to the field and try to change that a little bit in order to optimize the workflow 
uh, reduce the inspection timelines, uh, reduce the reporting timelines. And that's about the time that we, we really try to bring uh, digital inspection in real practice. You said early 2002, right? It is amazing kind of how much has just come onto the market, right? Became available to the industry in the past year. One of the problems, there are lots of like cool technologies uh, out there. Most of these technologies are still in the process of development. They are becoming better and better every month, I would say. But as a small company who tries to serve a large market, especially a very serious market, let's say mining inspection, you always need to have like robust tools that are like capable of taking care of like your A to Z process in one single platform. Unfortunately, not most of these platforms are still there. So what we are trying to do is try to split the tasks and uh, bring uh, the technologies for each task and try to digitize that particular section and then like kind of stitch everything together still manually, but hopefully in the future, everything will be done in a digital space for sure. Kind of segueing into the NDT portion of this, right? So for a very long time, would have your visual observations, right? And then your non-destructive testing data. And they weren't always coupled, which, you know, I know has been changing pretty recently, but could you talk about some of the more innovative NDT methods and concrete inspection and explain how they work? We really start that NDT, not inspection. And uh, most of the people like uh, ask me about like uh, digital inspection, but to be honest, like we started that non-destructive testing, but then soon we realized the foundation for a good uh, non-destructive evaluation is a good inspection. Like without inspection, like you end up like uh, putting too much cost into your like condition assessment and the customer has to pay for it. And at the end, you are not going to get the result that you wanted. The nice thing about FPRMC is like we are really working at the intersection of digital inspection and non-destructive testing and how we can bring some of these tests that traditionally used to be done like uh, separately and then uh, the engineer had to take care of this, like bring all of these pieces of information into their report. And then the engineer as the mastermind has to stitch this information together and uh, try to come up with an engineering report. Now, this is good, uh, but uh, certainly can be improved. Uh, now we have like platforms that are capable of like automatically importing the data into your like workspace reducing the amount of like uh, time that uh, needs to stitch this information together. And more importantly, it's like the tracking based on location. So most of the time you look at the inspection report, you know, you have to do this uh, like test, non-destructive testing in the field based on the inspection report, but too much information to read, too much information to compile. And uh, you go to the field, there is always uh, like limited time that you have uh, with the structure. And then you come back to the office and you say, wow, we missed this one. We missed the other like GPR in this uh, particular location. And you end up like with a report that is not 100% complete on every aspect. So uh, digital inspection now helps you have a very good workflow. So you know what tasks needs to be done. Uh, you have the location in front of you. You know how you are moving across the plant. And yeah, you can put directly the test results into that particular location. So you have the geolocation for the information you collected with the NDT. So the mistakes that normally happens with the engineer, with the static in the field and the missing information or like mislocating the test areas is less likely to happen when you are using a digital inspection workflow. 
let's just say we're in a parking garage, right? And you want to identify a problem with like a, a connection between two precast pieces, right? Exactly. Up to this point, right? That wasn't always the simplest thing to do, but now the inspection methods are just getting so much better. I would have liked to see like entity grow. I haven't seen too much fundamental like change in the world of like uh, non-destructive testing for concrete. But, but inspection is different. Like uh, digital inspection is going at a light speed. It's uh, like changing the landscape. You and I have had a couple of interesting discussions in the past, like how a simple 360 camera basically can save you days in uh, film inspection. You go there, you miss something, you always have a very good backup of information that will prevent you to redo that trip, uh, that long trip to the job site, spending time, finding the location, getting the record. So if you miss something, if you have by any chance uh, missed to record something, you just have a very solid backup of information to use. Could you talk a little bit about the difference between NDT and just traditional inspection, whether digital or not? So I think there is a very good analogy between uh, structure inspection and uh, medical examination diagnostic test that we have for a human body. Like you go to your family doctor, your family doctor, gets the symptoms, uh, then based on the symptoms, you get uh, like blood work, you get like some imaging. Now in the imaging is kind of the NDT part, okay? And the uh, screening question is like your inspection checklist. You take like, there is crack here, there is sign of corrosion here, there is moisture here. So those signs navigates the engineer, navigates the, like helps the doctor select the best diagnostic imaging or testing a protocol for you. For example, somebody might just need an X-ray. The other like tumor might require an MRI with injection, for example. Now, the same thing happens with the structure inspection. So based on the inspection results, like here is corroded, here is cracking, the engineer comes up with a series of tests, diagnostic tests, and that is the duty of the NDT practitioner, like the NDT technician or the NDT engineer, based on those results of the inspection, comes up with a plan of testing. So with the testing, what you are trying to, the gap you are trying to address is basically collect more specific information about particular location. In general, like uh, normally it's going to be very expensive if you want to do NDT on the entire structure. So you always need that roadmap, that inspection report to show you, okay, this particular element requires like half cell testing to see what's the state of corrosion. This particular slab requires like chain dragging to identify the extent of like the lamination. Always like a visual inspection, I would say, paves the way for like doing a very good NDT. And NDT is the diagnostic test. It gives you the information that otherwise you won't be able to collect about the condition of the element. I love the analogy of our field back to medicine because it just makes it that so much more easily understandable. And in fact, right, and continuing on kind of that that analogy, right, there are some things that may require the skill level of a licensed engineer, perhaps that high level overall inspection. But there are others where, hey, you that engineer's time may be better spent somewhere else. And there's a you know a skilled technician, right? But they don't need to be licensed because what they're doing is right similar to like a medical technician. Very important, but just a different trade, so to speak. That's uh, very correct. 
I know like some tests are like trying to bring these uh, like sensor programs like GPR. I know it's not trying uh, for this. Other other methods, I know ACI, for example, has like some certification programs for more old fashioned like testing, like quality control tests. Uh, they are very well standard. Like you really have to go and get your licenses for those type of like testing. NDTA is, I think, uh, people are still juggling. And we haven't come up with a standardized way of like making sure all the inspectors know what they are doing, how they are doing things, how things should do. Like uh, most of the tests that we use, they, they already have an ASDM like standard. Engineering community still has not really decided if this is something that uh, can independently be done by inspectors or not. And I think this is a topic that uh, over the next decade, uh, we will have to really work hard on this and uh, come up with some sort of standardization as the medical industry has come up. Definitely, it's not going to be more difficult than uh, interpreting like or doing an MRI or an X-ray. So that is the way to go forward. Like we, we need those programs to be able to break down the cost and try to inspect more structures instead of keeping it like very focused on an engineering corporation that never scaled like in a global scale. Uh, we really have aging infrastructure. We have to come up with programs that can facilitate the process of doing this inspection more effectively. The engineer acts like that, right? In some cases, that general practitioner, in other cases, like a surgeon, but they're ultimately responsible for the care of the human, in this case, being the structure, but they can still delegate successfully. So I agree. I think it's going to be a very interesting topic of conversation, but yeah, infrastructure is not getting any younger and they're not making engineers right as fast as maybe they once did. So there's definitely a need to fill, but transitioning from right existing structures and inspection, let's talk a little about new construction. This is admittedly an area where I'm not as familiar, but I know NDT can be used in applications of new construction. Could you talk a little bit about that? Some people think uh, that NDT is only for like uh, existing and like uh, structures that are already experiencing a lot of like damage. My idea is like kind of different. I think uh, NDT uh, has the capability and potential to be implemented like right from day one. In that aspect, uh, I, I would say a digital inspection uh, is also like an important element from day one like uh, for example you see like beam modeling it's uh, booming like these days like everybody wants to have like the models for their assets and this is going to be very helpful most of the problems that uh, right now we are trying to help our customers with the assets that we don't have any information about most of the entities that we do on existing buildings is because of the lack of information about them and not a very good documentation, no very good uh, like drawing records or archives available. So the engineer has to fill those gaps with lots of testing. So makes it like more expensive. Making a digital like inventory from day one, on the other hand, basically gives uh, a very good archive for future generations. And they come back here, they know like what's involved in the design how this was done, like uh, in terms of like quality, for example, the general simple quality control process these days for concrete is like a slump test, like uh, air test, uh, concrete cylinder, compressive strength test. Now, lots of problems occur uh, during the construction that never really gets into any of those reports. Okay, so there is the honeycombing area that a company came and did the inspection, and the inspection report is like somehow 
uh, lost over the process of like transferring the assets to the owner and then from the owner to the next owner 30 years from now if you don't have those information you don't really know if this foundation was built properly or not so i think in that regard ndt with digital inspection can combine and bring more clarity and more useful set of information for uh, early construction I am called into like, for example, sometimes contractors, very good contractors are doing a massive and a very interesting job in a mining project, for example. Uh, problems happen, like uh, one day your pump doesn't work, one day it's extraordinarily cold and you want to make sure like the construction process moves uh, according to your schedule. Things can go wrong, like you have a poor quality concrete forecast and now you have to come up with a fix. Now, traditional testing is just like take your drilling machine, take core from every like one meter, like collect like 20 samples and say if the structure is good or not. And it passes the quality or it has to be rejected. Now, I think NDT is really capable with the uh, advances that we have seen over the last decade. I think it is the stage that can be implemented in the QC or QA process. You can take NDT, for example, ultrasonic pulse. You can combine it with other methods. You can come up with a customized setup and talk about the quality and integrity of an asset in day one. That has the advantage of being minimally intrusive. You don't need to take like as many cores as otherwise like codes and uh, documents need. And that is part that we as engineers have to work on and try to allow more NDT testing in, in the QCQA process. Which is really intuitive, right? Because if you can get away with causing as little damage to a structure as possible, right? It just makes sense because that's less to repair, right? It's less in testing costs, et cetera. But it, it's, again, an interesting point of conversation and how the discussions in the engineering community change, how the codes ultimately change and, and kind of how it all gets brought together to, like you said, build a, a basically a history for an asset from day one. Absolutely. And I think like there are NDT solutions that are more capable of like uh, just simply taking a core sample because with a core sample, you, you may get like compressive strength, right? But there are so many other things that you will miss because the core has a limited size from a particular location. Whereas in with NDT, uh, you can cover more of the area, more of the surface. Like you can test the uh, area adjacent to the problematic zone see if the problem is uh, more widespread or is just localized. And uh, these are like piece of information that uh, gives the design engineer at that particular stage of like a construction, the confidence to move on, to make a decision on accepting or rejecting the structure. And uh, the example I gave you is just one out of many projects that I have been uh, called to comment on the quality and integrity of concrete. We have had like girders, brand new girders that had been like damaged uh, by accident during construction. We have had girders that had been exposed to fire, like a uh, concrete element, one of the, in Canada, which is like a cold country, what happens uh, for concrete construction in the winter is like cold joints. Cold joints can simply become a major problem. Now, what do you want to do? You want to take like cores every one meter across the joint just to make sure like the joint is an integrity issue or not. So in those cases, I think uh, NDT is definitely uh, the future. Regardless of the situation or whether it's new construction or an inspection 
and an existing asset, right? There's got to be some kind of core principles to NDT that can be applied pretty much universally. Could you talk about some of those? Uh, uh, like standardization, I think like yeah, we still like like those like uh, standard process of becoming an NDT inspector engineer. Many manufacturers and uh, many training institutes are out there these days uh, to help you get uh, hands-on experience with, with some of these technologies. Let's say GPR. They don't really need uh, any permit from anybody to a concrete scanning. As long as you can deliver with confidence, uh, I think uh, you're pretty much good to go. Now, that is the good thing about it, which makes it an interesting tool for a broader like uh, part of the market. But at the other hand, we also have to uh, come up with a mechanism to do risking uh, using some of these technologies. Like uh, I have seen like uh, in the industry, people who claim to do all the stuff with GPR, that is what makes the engineering committee myself uh, involved, concerned about the, the practice. So if I am in the process of delegating the task from an engineer to an inspector, I have to come up with a mechanism to ensure the quality and integrity of those test results. Because nobody wants to go in an x-ray machine and comes out and uh, being said that, yeah, you have to do the test again. Uh, you are paying, but uh, you are investing the time, you are investing capital and uh, all the anxiety and uh, the time that everything is pending your the test result needs to be repeated and nobody wants to be there. So uh, how, coming up with a process to ensuring that inspectors know what they are doing and how they are doing it is essential. And I think uh, in that regard, the engineering community has found work to do. And again, it's just that continuing education, adoption of standards, right? And then, as you said, setting those kind of specifications, because if you were only human, you can't do everything. So as testing gets delegated and that becomes more commonplace, having that standard set is going to be critical. Definitely. It's not really a case of existing versus new because this can happen in either, right? But structural failures, and they've been in the news a lot lately. I think the biggest one here, stateside at least, was the Surfside Tower collapse. I believe that was in 2021. I know we started getting calls from concerned asset owners just in a, a wide range of different asset types. But I'm curious, how does NDT help mitigate potential structural failures? This is also a very interesting question. Uh, and I think the answer is like NDT cannot help like uh, how people are expecting it to do. It is the engineering use of NDT that basically helps to solve that problem. So for any particular asset, let's say you have a building, you have settling basin, you have a bridge, you have to come up with a standardized like a protocol for inspection and for testing. For example, for bridges, uh, we standardize the bridge inspection pretty much nicely. Uh, so every inspector knows what to do, what information they have to collect, uh, and how those information can be uh, translated into like maintenance needs for the asset owner. With NDT, we don't have those type of standardizations yet. So every structure is different. NDT can come into play as part of your maintenance program. So for example, if you have parking garage, uh, you don't want to do MRI every year, okay? So the same thing happens with the half-cell corrosion potential testing. You don't need to do half-cell corrosion potential testing every year unless you really are experiencing some, some corrosion and you are in the 
management phase, okay? Defect management phase. So for a brand new structure, you might just want to have an eye on this. Every five years, let's uh, do and see if the structure is like uh, doing well, okay? Now, that becomes like your blood work. You do the blood work every year, and then if there is something like uh, that good, uh, they send you for more tests. And now, in this aspect, uh, I think NDT can be very, very useful. So it provides an extra layer of information, not just visual, because some of the defects, you don't see it visually. Like corrosion, uh, it takes uh, a while for corrosion to be seen at the surface. So by the time you see the corrosion at the surface of concrete, it has already progressed too far. So you want to know, you want to have uh, like information uh, in advance uh, so you can have better planning. And uh, considering the cost of repair and replacement is always like more than like uh, doing a proper inspection, it's good if like uh, engineers can help asset owners bring NDT in their maintenance protocols, uh, inspection and maintenance protocols. So you have the inspection, it has to be done every year. You may come up with an NDT program that comes every three years, every five years, depending on the nature of the structure, the type of defects that you expect on that particular structure. You can uh, play with the periods that uh, these testing have to be repeated. And I think uh, in that case, the engineer will have a very good set of information that can progress the health and condition of existing assets. Is it like deteriorating fast? Is it normal? We really need to intervene here. Stop the corrosion right here, right now, in order to save this asset for another 50 years. And another aspect is, and this is the case because most asset owners come to us when it is already too late. So you go there, like you see a parking garage that is already like crumbling down. What do you want to do? In this phase, NDT can help you come up with a management plan. So for example, if you go to a specialist, uh, not every tumor needs to be like uh, surgically removed at the very early stage. Uh, sometimes they come up with a management program. So let's keep an eye on this. Let's repeat the test every six months and see if it is going progressing as expected or is it like uh, getting like uh, more dangerous and uh, more critical stage. So this NDT, I think, uh, can also help engineers come up with management programs. For example, there was a bridge here in Toronto and uh, we knew that the bridge will be decommissioned in like uh, three years. But from now until three years, is this safe to be there? Can we keep it open to the public? The risk of like uh, pieces falling down on highway. So these are things that I think well-designed NDT protocol can really help you. The overarching theme here I'm hearing Ahmed is it's not the technology that stands alone, but it's the human, or in this case, the engineer's use and interpretation of it that's really important. Because if you aren't using the right tool for the job, you run the risk of things not going as well as they can. Exactly. And and that is, I think, that is where I say, like, every asset owner requires a, like, consultant working with them closely, overseeing their maintenance programs. This is pretty standard when you go to oil and energy, when you go to mining. These inspections are done on, on a regular basis. Concrete structures are often overlooked, so they don't really get the, the attention they, they need. But the entire, like, the overall process is out there. It's just like engineers have to articulate these concepts, this maintenance for concrete uh, properly to, to their like customers. 
so they have a better understanding of the maintenance needs that they are going to expect in the next like 5, 10, 15, 25 years. You will need, for example, this test every five years. This particular test is cheap. You can do it every year. And then the information, basically, if you give it to owner, they don't know how to use those. So the art of engineer here is to come up with a conclusion based on those information about the strategies that can help the owner like protect their assets properly in a cost-effective framework. Because like you can test everything every year and the customer will like uh, just go broke <laughs> very soon. But, but if you come up with a nice interval, you will get the information that you need. And uh, also you can help them like uh, plan in advance. And a big part of that too is just making the data more easily understood. I like to call it, you know, recognizable reality, right? Because there's a difference between, and I'm just speaking at a high level here, like waveforms and uh, from GPR versus, let's say, uh, like a heat map where it's very clear where the suspected problems are lying, right? It's roughly coming from the same data source. There's some interpretation between the two, of course. But one, I would say, is probably more easily understood by lay people and, you know, asset owners. That's a very good point. When I uh, started uh, with Farid at the uh, Francie, like, and now it is eight years, eight years ago, uh, the first idea that I had and I brought it to the market and I think uh, was kind of a game changer and I saw like uh, many manufacturers adopted that was data visualization. So before that, like you had 4,000 meter per second UPV waves. Okay, so what does it mean for me? Okay, it's like uh, giving you the X-ray, uh, like a film and things. Okay, go home with this. You will never know what's happened. So the art of the engineer here is like very similar to the art of the doctor that translates those like uh, X-ray films to data that the patient can understand. So we have to do that. And then the second thing is uh, that I came up with like uh, recently, like after like visualization was done. Now I think they require action plan. Any inspection and like uh, testing that uh, misses out on giving the customer an action plan is kind of immature. So it's not complete. In my opinion, it's a waste of time and money. But if you have an action plan, then the customer knows what to do. And uh, we have had like the most successful experiences with the uh, clients that already had a well-developed maintenance plan, for example, in mining, uh, steel manufacturing, and they could easily absorb what the information that we gave them because it had a timeline. Okay, so this part is like crumbling right now. You have to intervene immediately. If you don't, somebody might get hurt. Uh, so this is the information they want. If you give them like the, what is like the half cell potential value for that part, they start like keeping you. So that becomes the backbone of the information why you are prescribing this uh, solution. That goes into appendix in my opinion. The key part is the executive summary that you put on like here in month, zero to six months, you have to fix this. Otherwise, there is a chance that somebody gets it. In uh, like uh, 12 months, you have to fix your concrete slab. In five years, you have to redo the coating on your exterior walls because of like A and B and C. Uh, right now, I am trying to come up with ideas how, how we can actually transform data into action plans. So we can kind of automate that or standardize that. We will have a, like a huge step towards making it independent of like inspectors and engineers, like kind of standard like workflow. 
I'm not going to say that like we want to remove any engineers or inspectors. I'm just going to say that you can do things more efficiently, time-wise and cost-wise, and then you can expand the work. So previously, asset owners, like because the inspection was a luxury only few could afford, they kept like this inspection to a very limited setup, structural system to a very specific area. Now, with the help of digital inspection and help of like all these cool things that is happening in the NDT at the e domain, you can cover like way more areas in the same period of time. You have more information at the more cost-effective rate. So that is the key. And we've talked about it before, right? We mentioned earlier 360 photography, where before, right, you were limited to standard 2D photos, right? You have to correlate them to a location or software. You can just walk through 10 minutes and end of the day, you have all of those photos mapped to pretty good locations per plan. And it didn't take you any more time than your walk. And it's becoming very cost effective. So we're able to do more of the same, but you know, innovation and just emerging technologies. What are you seeing in the NDT space that you're excited about? in let's say the next three to five years. Being in some of these conferences with regards to NDT, as we are seeing more advances in the like computer vision AI, we are going to see set of products that can provide information in a more processed way. So right now, most of these uh, devices out there are going to are giving you the raw data, and the engineer has to work on the data and process them and come up with something meaningful. But I think what artificial intelligence is doing is basically shortening the process of like going from raw data to visualization process, making it easier and faster. One of the questions, for example, I'm always asked, literally always, that I go to the job site, they, they ask me, how is it doing? And the answer is no, we have to take this data back into office and do the processing. Now, for example, the advantage of GPR is that you can set like most of the information right on the spot. And that is why it's becoming more and more popular. Now you can see the same trend with other technologies. So like for example, ultrasonic techniques, they are becoming easier to work with. Traditionally, they were more difficult to work with. Like you really need like to take courses and training courses uh, to be able to interpret them. Nowadays, like uh, the devices are coming with uh, inbuilt solutions that is helping them. In a grander scheme though, there are like some fundamental like research in ultrasonic, uh, nonlinear ultrasonic, uh, like laser uh, scanning out there. That is definitely going to change the landscape of testing in the future. But until then, like we have to stick with what we have right now. There are like two elements. One is the innovation in physics of the testing. That is more university job, like professors and uh, PhD students are working to bring that new technologies, new concepts of testing. The other uh, step is on engineers to come up with innovative like processes of using existing technology in their practices. And that is where I think uh, I see myself and as an ambassador of this practice. If you don't practice this, this field is never going to develop or improve. Uh, I am very happy to see more engineers are basically moving toward digital inspection. They are moving towards like the non-destructive testing and evaluation. And the more demand it is uh, from the market for this, we will see more serious fundamental change in the science behind the technologies. Manufacturers will be pushed to go and bring better solutions. They have to go back and bring more innovative ways of like visualization, 
uh, workflows. And I think like over the past two, three years, I have seen some companies like being very, very good at doing this and uh, helping customers with solutions that they have brought to the market. And it's the same way we as the engineer or the equivalent doctor, right, explain to our client, simplifying the data that we collected and the analysis that we did to provide an end result that's easily understandable. And you're right. The role of a lot of these software companies is to say, you have problem X as the engineer. I am going to not take it off your hands completely, but provide you an avenue that you can understand and is easy enough to do to provide the desired end result. So craft mapping, right? Great example. Very tedious, but there are a lot of emerging technologies that can start to tackle something like this. Now, that doesn't take anything away from you as the engineer from an analysis standpoint, but if you don't have to be out literally drawing cracks or mapping cracks yourself and AI or software can help you with that, right? It's just the, the promise something like that brings is just amazing. That's a very good point because like, if you don't push yourself yet, like you will just repeat like what has been like tradition and done over years and years without like truly helping customers. Okay. I see the gap there. Like uh, engineers have to be innovative. Engineers have to come up uh, out of their comfort zone of like codes and like practices. They have to push codes forward and pushing codes and like guidelines forward is only possible if you bring it into engineering practice. If you publish your failure stories, if you publish your success stories, if you bring up the problems that you have with particular practices, why I am saying that corrosion cannot be detected with uh, GPR, for example, and now why I claim that uh, corrosion can be detected with GPR. Uh, it's kind of a, like a scientific process, like you have to come up that, uh, and uh, in arguing with each other, we will help the entire practice move forward. And that is what engineers really need to do. Instead of like keeping the inspection and inspection business and like don't get involved with inspectors, I don't think that's the way to go. I think engineering is an integral part of any asset management. You cannot take engineers out of this practice the same way that AI and computer vision is not going to remove the surgeon or like the uh, radiologist soon enough. So we are very much going over the next 10, 20 years, we will still be very much dependent on these uh, specialists to help us uh, better understand until like we see the next uh, leap in the technology coming up with uh, other like uh, innovative solutions, perhaps in the next uh, 20, 50 years that can help us like see more clearly, more accurately. But until then, we really have to keep that engineering element, that knowledge element. It's not uh, engineer, it is the knowledge. It has to be knowledge-based. So as long as like, you know what you are doing, it doesn't matter if you are a certified or not certified, that becomes a legal issue. So I put the legal side aside. As long as you know what you are doing, you are pretty much good to go. And uh, knowing what to do is like means you have read all the literature available, you are competent, you are continuously reading and updating yourself with the practice. You take courses, you take like online courses, you participate in like certification programs. That is the way to go forward. You bring up a great point that we talk about all the time on the show, right? Like, is technology going to replace? In many cases, the question is engineer, but it could be architect, it could be design professional, right? In this case, right, like you said, throw away the titles, let's talk about the knowledgeable individuals. And frankly, I mean, I don't think so because you're an asset owner, right? You only know so much about the asset that you own. 
do you want to be leaning on a computer to guide you or do you want kind of the advice and the guiding hand of a human? I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think you're just going against human nature. So by that alone, there's going to be a role for humans. How that role will change is going to be very interesting. So we're going to have to stay tuned to that. But um, we've talked about NDT here and kind of how qualifications and have been changing, right? Like who can do it, who's knowledgeable, but like somebody asked like, Hey, I want to make sure the NDT professional I engage with is knowledgeable, professional, and knows what they're doing. What should they be looking for in that individual or, or company? For every particular like technology or testing method that is out there, you have to know the principles. So if I am a structural engineer in this company and I have like inspectors working under my supervision, I have to make sure like they are already up to date with the existing code of practice for that particular test. If it has an ASDM test, uh, they have to have uh, studied this ASDM standard like properly. They have to know the steps that it takes to perform that particular test and then the limitations in the field and in the theory. Okay. So because like there are some restrictions for each of these technologies that are out there, what some of them comes from the physics. Some of them comes from the job site. So sometimes you go there, like the technology, you know, the concept works. You go to the job site, you see like there is a tile or like ceramic on the surface of the concrete. Okay. So everything changes. So this, uh, your internal, like, uh, educational system in your company should be capable of like, uh, teaching and transferring this set of knowledge to the inspectors that they have until like we get a like course that uh, is kind of standardized across the market. Everybody accepts that standard course and allows people to, to work with it. Out of this, I have found like GPR to be very easy in teaching and transferring knowledge. Ultrasonic test methods are like more difficult to educate, mainly because the physics behind the technology is more complicated. You have to have familiarity with the like uh, frequencies, speeds, energy, the concept of energy and how uh, different like geometries could affect like the signals that you are collecting. How like electrochemical methods the same. One thing that we have to make sure like as engineers that that is going to happen is that like all these tests are like uh, computer software. If you set garbage in, it's going to be garbage out. Okay. So if you don't know what you are doing, like if this is like a ceramic tile and I do house and corrosion, yes, I am doing it like according to ASTM standard everything is right, but I'm doing it on a wrong setting. So what happens is not just educate people on how to do the test, but also educate why we are doing this test. Why I am saying uh, this should be tested with ultrasonic and not GPR or the reverse. Why I am saying that grade one timer is not going to give you the answer that you wanted in this particular case. So these are like things that traditionally, I think uh, engineering schools, you, try to teach students, but I think they failed. We don't see a very good like uh, educational like course that brings the students ready to work. We don't have that problem in NDT of metals, but we do have that problem in NDT of concrete. And I think engineering schools, like civil engineering schools, have a duty to bring uh, more entity in their like official curriculum so that the engineers, when they come out of schools, they have a very good understanding of these tests, of why these tests are done, how these tests are done, 
And then like engineering associations and uh, standardization like groups, uh, they, they can work together and come up with some standardization programs. I think like GPR community is kind of forward thinking in that in this aspect. Other tests should follow the same. Right. If the audience leaves with just a few like kind of key components to this, it's right. You need to understand what you're doing, no matter what it is, right? It's structural analysis software, garbage in, garbage out. Your understanding of non-destructive testing methods, garbage in, garbage out. Again, I think that's where the experienced and knowledgeable practitioner just isn't going away anytime soon. Because in this, this wild west of technology, as I like to call it, you have to be able to sort through like, is this the appropriate application? Is this, you know, a realistic use case for what you're trying to use and discern? You just need knowledgeable people because I don't really see any other way to accomplish that. The best thing for this is like to establish communities, like entity communities. And uh, like um, on my part, I tried and uh, I, I would say some extent I succeeded, but not as much as I had expected to. But it is with the dialogue and uh, with the conversation between us who are practicing this that things will evolve and move forward. Otherwise, some of us might be doing it right and we will keep doing it right forever. And some others are like going to do it wrong and they will do it wrong forever. The moment we start like talking about it and one of the things that we, we talked about uh, like in the past is why I'm sharing all these stories every day. The only thing is like it's the best learning uh, method for myself. If I am doing something wrong, I would like to know it like right here, right now. I don't want to keep doing the wrong thing uh, forever and ever and more again. It's the liability issue. So I want to know the first-hand uh, information, the most uh, up-to-date information. And uh, there are out there engineers uh, like yourself and many others that uh, are like helping me better understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. And uh, this is kind of shortening the uh, learning curve instead of like traditionally you had to go to school like to uh, four years of schooling and then like a couple of years of working uh, with other members to learn how to do. Now we are in the uh, global age, like everybody is trying to help you put uh, one piece of this puzzle together and making it like uh, happen much faster and more effectively. That's one of the reasons, right, that we at AMI started this podcast, just to be able to get the word out and just give and the most part, you know, engineers, right, but also architects and other practicing professionals in AEC, an avenue to build that community and be able to find the info that they need. But Ahmed, it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you on these topics today. But if our listeners want to connect with you and find out a little bit more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to find you? The best way like uh, is LinkedIn. I, I say I'm a pretty loud voice in the LinkedIn and I am pretty and much available in LinkedIn. I would say that is the first uh, line of access, but then fprimec.com, the website, uh, always a great portal for educating yourself on the most uh, advances in uh, inspection and non-destructive testing, and also a gateway to getting to connect with me or my business partner, Dr. Farid Moradi. He's a far better professional when it comes to non-destructive testing uh, in terms of like scientific backbone. So both of us are open to discussing anything that you might be interested in. And we appreciate that offer, Ahmed, because at EMI, right, we say the same thing. We are just here to help. So please reach out to Ahmed, reach out to myself, and we'll try to answer whatever questions we can. And 
and provide you with what we can. But Hamad, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Nick, and uh, your team. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it, it has been a pleasure being with you again. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you all the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors.